Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek podcast with special guest um, Ben Franklin's ghost. Yeah? Yep. What camera is that on? Um, he's not on camera. He's just here to haunt us. That was his contribution. Okay. He did specifically say that he would not contribute any advice, um, but he would just be present. So... I don't know. All right. I wasn't I'm aware. Feeling, I I'm feeling know. the patriotic spirit, maybe. Oh, I always feel that spirit every day. Every single day? Yep. You just wake up, man, I just feel so patriotic. Every day. Every single day. <laughs> uh, some cool stuff happened over the last, well, week and a half, I think it's been since we last recorded. Or maybe, yeah. When did we last record? I don't know. It was probably a week and a half ago. A couple of years ago. I don't it could have been a couple of years time, ago. Time means nothing to me. Actually, for all the audience knows... We recorded everything long ago. We are actually long dead. Oh yeah, this is a, this is like our diary. Actually, all right, let's let's think. The about last it for ten a episodes are gonna get real. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be real sad, <laughs> or it's just gonna be a descent into madness. I've often chuckled at the thought of like when the channel hits a million subscribers, just doing something ridiculous, yeah. like having a complete mental breakdown and just like huddling in a corner with a blanket over me just muttering the word seven over and over again oh yeah but you gotta have a real <laughs> mental breakdown for it to work you've gotta it's it's you, an actual one you can't come out That's of the it irony. okay yeah you yeah you think it's a joke but then it's you actually gotta not a joke it's like that um that line in the movie waiting have you ever seen waiting i don't know what that is waiting is a movie with Wait. uh ryan reynolds it's it's Maybe, pretty it's like actually. young ryan reynolds and it's set in a restaurant called Shenanigans, but it's basically a Bennigan's. This does seem familiar. And uh, so basically, it is a movie that explains a lot of what Anthony Bourdain talks about in Kitchen Confidential. So when I was listening to Kitchen Confidential and he's talking about how the back of the house in most restaurants is a complete madhouse and they're just playing heavy metal and everyone's screaming and cursing at each other. This was no surprise to me because I've seen Waiting. It's a documentary um, now. I, I've never worked in a real restaurant myself, so I didn't, you know, I didn't get to experience that that funness. But yeah, there's a there's a line in that movie that reminds me of that, where a guy's just like, <laughs> "I love that people think I'm going see now because it means I can flip off small children and tell them to, to get off my lawn all I want, and people just think I'm going see now." But then sometimes I realize that I'm flipping off a small child and I haven't realized I'm doing it, so oh. I really am going see now. <laughs> oh well, that's fun. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yay! So, you know, I think we're probably not going to have a horrible mental breakdown. Okay. But, thought experiment, what about our online presence could we not orchestrate far, far in advance? Could we actually have been long dead for, say, like three years and everything a, that anyone sees Do you have like a recording? super pro? You can't uh, buffer Instagram, right? Uh, you can, you just, 
basically what it does is it sends you a push notification on oh, your wait, phone. Oh, wait, so you could have somebody else that was So you just could just have somebody the controlling okay, the phone. Okay, that's fine. Because literally, I think it sends um, you a push notification, you hit it, and then it opens Instagram and pre-populates a new post with everything you put in the buffer. So you could have somebody who was like in on it. They could hit the things on the Instagram posts. Uh, now, clearly, some of the stuff on my Instagram is pretty recent, and there are people who could corroborate it. But, like, you could technically make all the YouTube you, videos. if you really tried to make it seem right, I think that you could fake for quite a while without <laughs> it being noticed. Yeah, buffer your tweets, schedule your Facebook posts. Especially if you're not the kind of person who talks about current events or current fads very much, because then it won't seem so dated when you talk about something. Yeah. All I'm saying is somebody listening to this podcast is going to open, like, their great-grandfather's high school yearbook from the 1920s, and they're just going to see our pictures there. Yeah. And then that X-Files music is going to play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we were never That'd alive really cool, in the 2000s though. the whole time. Let's that would batch, be, like, 100 episodes this weekend. That would be really creepy and kind <laughs> of cool at the same time. I don't know. Uh, but I was in New York last week, and... I had the opportunity to meet Neil deGrasse Tyson, which was really cool, actually. Cool. And so basically, the company that I work with for all of our sponsorships, which is called Standard Broadcast, they also work with Neil and his podcast, Star Talk. So they're doing this whole new series of videos on the Star Talk channel. So they had me and uh, MKBHD and uh, Sam from the Wendover Productions channel, and then each of us filmed a video with Neil. Mine was definitely the most loosely planned of the three. I think Marquez had like a topic in mind and they had actually written an intro for him and they did the same thing for Sam. And oh, then for yeah. me, they were like, talk about learning. <laughs> <laughs> Freestyle. So I had to call upon all of the the podcasting skill that we've gained over the yeah. past however many hundred episodes. Uh, and then I just kind of talked with Neil randomly. <laughs> That's cool. So that'll probably be up in the next well, this is going live like three days from now. I think it's going to be live in like two weeks from when this episode goes live. Okay. So we will link to it in some future episodes, show notes. Ha, now you've got to uh, keep listening. Yeah. You know, and I guess if people haven't followed me on Twitter and or Instagram, I'm at Tom Frankly on both of them. And uh, you can go follow me. So, yeah, do that. Otherwise, what am I doing with my shameless plugs here? That's true. They got to count for something. Anyway, so... I want to talk about a question that I get emailed about quite often. And that question is, how do you go about finding a mentor? And I have had people who straight up email me with the question, dear Tom, will you be my mentor? Just that. So I thought that we would maybe hash out, you know, what a mentor is. Um, I'm going to give a lot of my thoughts on mentorship and my own experiences with it. But I wanted to pose the question to you because we had a little bit of pre-discussion about this the other day yeah. and learned that our views on what a mentor is seemingly diverge quite a bit. Uh, that's, this is actually important because yeah. we can't have a conversation about a word if we don't agree on its meaning exactly. for the scope of this conversation. Linguistic consistency is important, you know? So what do you think a mentor is? Uh, so I suppose if I was to picture uh, a mentor, just my assumption, it would be... So you've got a teacher-student sort of relationship. You've got somebody who's got more experience, knowledge, skill, something to this extent mm -hmm. in a field or discipline or interest. 
who is trying to, in some way, pass that on and guide and instruct a student-like person. They don't need to literally be a teacher and student. But I think, to me, what makes that relationship become like a mentorship is that the teacher figure is consistently doing this over some period of time. They don't need to be around forever, but it's more than just like, I saw some dude on the subway and I gave him good advice. I don't count myself as a mentor then. Okay. But if I followed up and I was invested in that subway dude's uh, future and I was like, it's really important to me that you understand this linguistic thing. So I'm going to follow up and we're going to do what we can to make this work specifically for you. And I'm excited to pass this skill on to you. Like they're both invested in each other. The student looks up to the teacher personally, not just as a teacher, like in a lecture hall of 3 billion people. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just a an, a more personal and invested teacher-student thing to me. So I guess my question is, do you view mentorship as a relationship where one person is solidly the teacher and the more experienced person, and the other person is solidly the student, like a whole Mr. Miyagi and yeah, Karate that, Kid Yeah, that's how I would envision it, yeah. But, okay. you know. I, and actually, I'm curious to see what Google thinks about this. I, I want to know what the actual definition of the word is. Uh, okay. Let's see here. I don't know why it needs my current location. I, to I mean, Google I guess the definition both people could mentor them, mentor each other in a different field, but I would picture yeah. one as definitely being the like okay. superior knowledge in one field. So Google's definition is an experienced and trusted advisor. So I think that that jives pretty well with your thoughts okay. on it. Um, my thoughts on what a mentor is are a little more broad, I think. So, I think this stems from me having what I would consider to be a decently large amount of quote unquote mentors in my life. And I remember when I asked you about this, you were like, you couldn't really think of a person who you would consider to be a mentor. Yeah. Whereas I would have no hesitation in saying that I consider you a mentor in certain areas. I I didn't even think of that. But then you you didn't think of me as a mentor and then I spent the rest of the night silently crying in my room. <laughs> How do you know I wasn't mentoring on you on, on manning up, Tom? That's Maybe that's... <laughs> you failed. Sometimes you have to lie for your student to see the truth on their own. That seems like a smart sentence. That does seem like kind of a smart sentence. Seems, People are going to like quote me on seems, that. They're going to put true. that over some sort of like... Seems true. Picture that's good of me enough. looking all pensively into the distance. They're going to throw a colored overlay on it. And just sometimes you must lie for your student to see the truth. Yeah. And then... I'm going to be forever associated with Machiavellian scheming. Yeah. Which so, I'm totally fine with. I guess what is what about any of your various mentors makes them a mentor? Do they are is it something specific you consider them a mentor for? Or yeah. is it just like one you were the guy on the subway and one time they were like, "Hey, put your hat on backwards. It's cool." And you were like, "Nice. What a good mentor." <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, I will agree that for me to call somebody a mentor, it has to be somebody who I've had an ongoing relationship with okay. for a decently long period of time and that they are invested in my success over the long term. So, yeah, if someone was like, yo, backwards caps are so on fleek right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, no, later he follows up, right? And he's like, you've been wearing the hat like I told you. Now, we're going to go to level two, okay? Tilt it uh, 1.5 degrees at an angle a little bit. And we're going to go to a flat bill. Now this is advanced level here, not a trucker, just a flat bill. Okay. Puma branding. Yeah. Later we're going (laughs) to, we're going to tilt it even more, but you're not ready for that. You ain't ready for that yet. Yeah. No, at some point you're going to go full fresh prints. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but today you are not ready. One could only hope. <laughs> it would be like dividing by zero. And uh, so you, they've got to be invested yes. in some way. It's a personal connection. It's not like yeah. uh, a teacher that you didn't talk to outside of class ever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me just – I'll pick one out of the air. Andrew Fiebert. Cool. Who is my co-host on Listen Money Matters, which is my other podcast. He and I have what you would – I guess from an outside perspective, what you would consider to be a sort of equal relationship. Like colleagues. Yes, Andrew is five years older than me, but from the outside, we have businesses that do a similar amount of revenue. Um, They have a similar amount of notoriety in their different circles. I would say that because of the YouTube channel, College and Bookie probably has greater visibility than Listen Money Matters. But then in the podcast arena, Listen Money Matters gets more downloads than this podcast. Um, And then... Andrew is, you know, doing really well on Google for certain things with the articles on the site. So, you know, College Info Geek is a bigger site than Listen Money Matters. Listen Money Matters is a bigger podcast. Just to say it simply, they're pretty equal from outside perspective. But I have been talking with Andrew for five, no, four years at this point, just about, which makes me feel really old. Yeah. But yeah, I met Andrew back in May of 2014. And it was a total cold outreach. I had put their podcast on a list of educational podcasts, which is still on our site and I can link to. Um, we're going to be updating that soon whenever I get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point. Whenever I get around to writing 50 blurbs about 50 podcasts. Just put a bracket that says blurb here. Blur- yeah, I could do that. Blurb it's here. Uh, imagine a description of this podcast. Go listen to it yourself. Email me a blurb and uh, I'll put it there. I could outsource the work to the the early visitors. Anyway, I, I, so I had emailed them because I liked their podcast. And when we were doing interviews on the podcast, I said, all right, well, maybe I'll get them as a guest. And I think it was it was Andrew and it was Matt Geminisi back then as the co-hosts. Uh, they were episode 20. So my first ever interaction with them was interviewing them for my podcast. And their podcast was pretty new at the time. So they also invited me on. And then I went on again. And then I think that you were a guest on it twice as well because they had that whole idea of doing the roundtable episodes. So I think you and I were on together, and it was like a four-person episode. This seems possible, but honestly, I don't Do even remember, remember it? it. Yeah, this happened. You were on it twice. Huh. You've been on it two times. That's weird. So maybe we can find I those was, two episodes. No, it was probably weird back then. Well, you, you were always weird. Probably wasn't so. great at podcasting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we did a roundtable episode on like the cost of college or, or student debt or something like that. But... Because I went to the show so many times, I ended up building a friendship with both of them. And then Matt ended up leaving the show at the end of 2014 to do his own thing. I didn't want to see the show die, so I volunteered to be the co-host, got the spot, and be careful of that tea because the surface tension on that spout is bad. Unless you're just, okay, you're way better at pouring it than I am. Is that what it is? You just pour it more lightly? Why would I pour it heavily? I think it's that's tea. It's the drink of peace. Tom. I think that's the solution to most of the problems in my life is just stop being so heavy handed. You have broken like 17,000 <laughs> things. So anyway, 2015 rolls around. I'm the co-host on Listen Money Matters. And ever since then, Andrew and I have talked probably once a week, at least for the past, I don't know, three and a half years. And we don't just podcast together. We also give each other advice on business and that is why I would consider Andrew a mentor because he is good at certain things that I'm not good at. 
He is extremely good at coding and data science and uh, SEO and stuff like that. And he also is um, more experienced with money than me. Okay. I am more experienced with video production and with speaking and with a lot of those kind of things. So I serve as a mentor to him in those capacities. And we've had a lot of conversations where he'll be telling me something and I'll just be like, man, you are blowing my mind right now. Or I just, I know I need to hear this at the moment, but we've also had conversations where he says the same thing to me. I'll share something that's working for me. And he's like, I really need to do that. I really need to add that in my life. So this is, I'm gonna totally make up a term right now, but this is an example of like a mutual mentorship where you have a relationship with somebody, you are really good in certain areas and you provide ongoing support to that person and you are invested in their success within those areas. And then vice versa, they're good at something else and they're invested in your success in that area. Okay. So that is why I consider you a mentor because you're better at certain things than I am. And you and I talk every single day and I know that you are invested in my success. And nah. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. Well, there's the whole lies again. I got to go cry yeah. it out in the corner. <laughs> and likewise, that there are definitely sense. things that I know I am better at than you are. And I would like to see you improve in those things. And I'm always either asking about it or I'm willing to talk about it if you want to talk about it. So I consider that a mutual mentorship as well. That makes sense. That's not too far off from what I was picturing. I just, yeah. I didn't really picture mutual mentorships. Mm-hmm when I thought of it, but I also just don't use, I, I've never really had a reason to use the word mentor. So I, I never used it. Yeah. And, and I will, I'll put this out there. I don't say Andrew, yeah. I consider you a mentor. Andrew Senpai. Andrew Senpai. I never call you Martin Senpai. Unless you <laughs> want me to call you that, I, I guess. Yeah. Cause that would be a fun nickname on the podcast. College of a Geek podcast with yeah, Thomas and Martin Senpai. <laughs> let's put a real weird vibe on the podcast. Um, no, I just I just consider them really good friends and I respect their expertise in certain areas and I know that they're okay. helpful and I know they have my back. Uh, now I have I do have other examples of more traditional mentorships. And one would be uh, when I worked at Principal Financial, that was my one internship in college. I had a mentor and it was actually like a mentorship program. This oh. guy named Randy, he was the the VP of all of the IT infrastructure. So anything involving networks, databases, um, systems, admin, security, all that kind of stuff. He was the VP of everything. Cool. And uh, the year I got hired, or the year before I got hired as the the intern there, there was this conference for freshmen. It was like their freshman leadership conference. And you had to apply to it. I did that. And the people who got in got to go to principal for a few days. And there were all these sessions on how to dress professionally or how to network, all these different business skills. And at the end of it, they had this mentorship program where they matched every single person up with a mentor at the company. And because I was the only IT focused person who had gone to that conference, everyone else was marketing or management or accounting. I was the one computer nerd. They matched me up with him. And I thought it was amazing because I was, you know, most people were matched up with entry level employees for the most part. And they matched me oh, up with you, a VP. You just got bumped up to VP? Yeah, I just randomly nice. got a VP because I guess that was the one person who wanted to participate who had an IT connection. So I ended up talking with him. And I think it was intended to be just like a one-time mentorship session where we got to ask them any questions we wanted to at that conference. But because I had a part-time job at Iowa State working in the tech support center, I had gained a bunch of IT knowledge that most freshmen did not have. So I was actually able to talk with him 
on sort of a almost colleague level about enterprise level IT and like how corporations use technology. And uh, I guess that interested him enough that he wanted to follow up on a regular basis. That's cool. So yeah, we ended up meeting like three or four times over the summer after that conference. Uh, he assigned me books to read. He, like he had me read Peter Drucker and he had me read um, the, oh, Winning by Jack Welch. So, and then I think he was also instrumental in me getting hired as an intern there. In fact, I think because of him, they called me and they said after I had applied, we don't need to interview you because we kind of already know that we want to hire you. So they offered me the job without even needing to interview me. So that was more of like a straight up mentorship. I don't really think that I offered much in the way of guidance to Randy. But the thing about that is I don't know of a easily accessible direct path to that kind of a relationship that I can tell people about on a podcast. But it seems like mutual, that was kind of organically yeah. grown, locally sourced, you know? Locally grown butter lettuce. Yeah. Exactly. But like you you didn't you didn't <laughs> walk up and say, Be my mentor, sir. Yeah. And or madam. And I will tell you, uh, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before too. On the occasions where people tweet me, hey, Tom, can I ask you a question? I never respond because if if you ask me that, you're not asking the question. So I don't know what sort of commitment that I'm signing uh, myself up for. The next thing's going to be like 17. Exactly. So I know if I say, long. sure, ask away, I've sort of like committed to answering that question. And now if I don't answer, I sort of look like I, I backed out of a conversation I've engaged in. Yeah. Whereas if people just ask me a question, if I have time, sure, I'll answer it. And if I don't, that's I'm not going to, you know. But 100% of the time, if somebody says, hey, can I ask you a question? I'm not going to respond. Yeah, that's true. That could be I a scary know. commitment. You don't know. Exactly. So the same thing. If somebody emails me and say, Tom, will you be my mentor? I don't know what that entails. So it's not that I don't want to help you, but I have my own time commitments and my own projects and my own constraints on everything that I'm doing. So I can't just be like, sure. <laughs> I will be your mentor. I don't know what that means yeah, because mentor I don't, in in what? I don't exactly. know what you are doing. I don't know how our paths have crossed. I don't know if I have anything that I can really offer you. Whereas if I meet somebody organically, say I meet somebody at a conference and you know it's it is a uh, time defined, time limited thing where I know the conference is going to end and whatever conversations I'm going to have with this person will likely end or have the opportunity to end here. I'll talk to you all day. When we have meetups, I love having meetups um, because I can just talk to somebody and I, you know, they can ask me whatever questions they want. Because again, the boundaries are defined implicitly. So there's no, um, there's no like dread in the back of my head of like, how long will this go on? What am I signing myself up for? Oh yeah. You, you know that you don't have to specifically say, okay, I've, I've had fun, but mm -hmm. I never want to hear another question from you again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after, after the meetup, it's just kind of assumed that you don't have to exactly <laughs> yeah. stay in touch. So I guess the, the two actionable things for people wanting to find a mentor here are uh, go to conferences, go to events, go to things like that. Number one, you're going to build relationships no matter what. But if you're looking for somebody who might eventually become a mentor, you are putting yourself in a situation where there is that time boundary. So that person feels more comfortable interacting with you in that situation. And then if you have a good conversation, you can follow up later on. And now you don't follow up saying, oh, we had a great conversation. Can you be my mentor now? You just let it organically develop. Everyone who I consider to be a mentor, I have never 
reached out and asked for any sort of ongoing support. I think that's the thing. You never want to ask for any sort of ongoing support because the better way to go about it is just to let that relationship develop organically. And that develops what we talked about in weapons of influence, liking. Yeah. And then they're more likely to want to help you on an ongoing basis because now they like you. Now you're a friend. Yeah. And then that's fundamentally what it is. Like a mentor relationship is a relationship between two friends. It's just that one is elevated in some way over the other in an experiential capacity. Yeah. So this is kind of similar to like, uh, like how should I network? And, and as soon as I hear that, what I think is, first of all, I don't even like that term because my only assumption is that when you say networking, you mean just cold-hearted business networking. Yeah. When really you're just trying to like meet people and, and make friends that happen to maybe have a professional benefit later. No. And th- But for this one in particular, you need to be willing to reach out to people that might be intimidating you in some way because if they're not clearly like able to teach you, then there's yeah. they can't be your mentor if you know more than them. It won't help. Well, I was going to say that the whole point of networking is to get your business card into the hands of as many people as possible. Yeah, the, the whole part is to never make me feel good about how much I spent on business cards. Exactly. You don't you don't want to have those business cards laying around. That's a waste. Yeah. It's such a waste. No, you got to just don't even introduce yourself. The names in the business card. People don't like redundancy. Yeah, that's, that's this guy right here. This is sarcasm. This guy. Just if you can't but, see my facial expressions. Yeah, yeah. But you gotta like you gotta reach out to the people who might intimidate you at mm-hmm. first. Who you're like, why would I talk to them? If you share an interest in what they're good at, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they do want to help you out with something. But you yes. can't have that if you're just like, I'm not worth talking to them. They'll think I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you about how my uh, relationships with many of the people who I consider mentors have started. Number one, fan first. I love to harp on the fan first method all the time. Harp wasn't the right word. I love to promote the fan first method all the time. Yeah. Uh, If you haven't heard me promote it before, essentially, if you want to meet somebody, my recommendation is that you get on their radar in some way um, that involves you supporting their work. So if it is somebody who has an online presence and they put out work on the internet, share it or comment on it or just, you know, tell them how much you appreciate it. Just get on the radar in that capacity. Uh, the one thing you want to avoid is is being the person who to- who comes out of the woodwork. You're completely unknown quantity, and you are asking for something right away. Because I think we talked about this recently as well. If you are the kind of person who is asking for something right away, you are setting up a potential business transaction. That's basically what it is. Like, what does this person offer me? For me to give my time to them. Yeah. Now, some people are just nice. And I mean, like, I think you are, and I try to be. If somebody like asks a question I've never heard from them before, fine. That's you know, that's fine. And if it is your goal to have a question answered, that's fine. You know, email your question. And I, I think we even encourage that on this podcast because it gives us five questions, fodder. Yeah, it's very useful. But if your intention is to hopefully develop a relationship with somebody, to develop into a friendship or a a business relationship or a mentorship, don't come out of the woodwork asking for something, even if it is a question, right up front. Fan first. Support their work in some way. doesn't have to be big, but the whole point is get on the radar as a person who is supporting your work and becoming a known quantity, and then you can reach out with something. Then... If you're going to ask a question or you're going to ask for help, I find that it works best if you are asking for something that can be answered quite quickly. 
So when I get emails from people being like, solve my life for me, number one, I don't know how many emails this is going to spawn. And I, I've been yeah. burned in the past where like I'll answer one question and that person takes that as an invitation to send me hundreds of questions over the, the following months. Oh, no. And then I feel like a complete jerk for not responding because they know I've responded once. But eventually I'm like, you know, I don't want to say you're taking advantage of me, but I can't give you as much time as you want. You just I could give you the first amount of time. <laughs> get a vacation autoresponder that only responds to that email address. There, yeah. So you're just always on vacation. This guy's been in Aruba for like six years. It's <laughs> probably with Tupac. That, yep. Makes and, sense. And um, Elvis. And uh, who's that Who's that other guy that was Jimmy Hoffa, that guy. Yeah, they're just all chilling in Aruba together. Elvis is old now, man. I don't but even know. The sun does wonders for what is Elvis? longevity. I don't know. Um, when people email me questions that are easy to answer, like, hey, Tom, what's your favorite to-do list app? Or what camera are you using? Those things, you know, sometimes I can't answer them because I'm really busy. But more often than not, I can dash off a one-sentence answer to that and be on my merry way. Yeah. So I will be. And then eventually that may develop into something else. It may not, but it is at least not something that I'm probably going to ignore because, again, I'm worried about how much time it's going to involve later on. Yeah. So that's the big thing. Uh, and then one of the ways, and I think this might be actually one of the most effective ways to build a mentorship is to offer something to them. So when I needed a podcast show notes person, Guillermo tweeted back, I had never heard of him before, but he's just like, yeah, I can do it. And a bunch of people have said that, but he took action so quickly. And then the show notes that he gave us were so high quality that I was immediately impressed. And now he's been on our team for, I don't know, like six months, probably. I don't know time. I think it's been about six months. He's been, been doing show notes for us. Um, he's in our Slack and there have been several times where, because he's a recent high school graduate, there have been several times where he's had a question, and I am always more than happy to take some time to answer a question from Guillermo. More than happy to. Yeah. Because he, number one, has proved his worth and become a very valuable part of the team, but number two, through that, has become a known quantity, and that has enabled a relationship to be developed, where it's like, oh, I like Guillermo. Of course I would spend some time on him. So this is the whole thing. You have to break through a barrier. And this isn't a barrier of, I don't like people I don't know. This is a barrier of, I don't have time or mental resources to dedicate to all these people I don't know. I have yeah. a specific amount of time, attention, and energy that, I will that I'm going to devote to the people that I already know and love. And if I'm going to devote that to somebody new, there's going to be a darn good reason for it. Yeah. You know? So I, I think that's like, that's the big thing. Um... And I could probably talk about this for a long time, but my thoughts are getting all scatterbrained now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think this was a pretty good distillation of it. So in my mind, number one, mentors can be anybody. They don't have to be a long, white-haired, 100-year-old Chinese man who is a kung fu master. It helps. Who makes you scrub out toilets before you ever get to learn a spinning dragon kick. It does help. And I suppose you could go down to your local dojo and see if, one is there, maybe yeah. they will mentor you. They probably have some toilets that could be scrubbed out. Um, but I have found mentorship in many, many places. So Andrew Fiebert, you. Obviously, my parents are mentors. 
Um, Steve Cam from Nerd Fitness has been a huge mentor to me. Uh, Benny Lewis has been a mentor to me, the guy who runs Float in Three Months. Uh, Caleb Wojcik, the guy who runs DIY Video Guy. I would not know like half of what I know about video production if not for him. And, oh, okay, I, I do want to talk about something else. Okay. I think the problem is, for people who can't see my iPad screen, which is everyone but me, I have no outline for this episode. I'm just kind of having a conversation here. What's the What's on the iPad? The definition of mentor, oh, which I oh, googled yeah. a little while ago. Yeah, okay. Were you expecting something stupid? I forgot. Just I was, like a big picture of Wario. I kind of expected it to just be blank. <laughs> that like, wouldn't be funny. Just, this is just for looks. I, I've actually just playing. It looks playing like Tetris I'm, the whole time. Like I'm prepared, but uh, don't look too hard. I just put the iPad here to you look. You look at busy. the reflection in his pupils. You yeah. can see games. Enhance. I'm playing Bridge Constructor Portal, which is actually pretty fun. I don't even know what that means. It's a portal game. Kids these days. It's in the portal universe. And there are things I don't know. But you build bridges. So there's like a bunch of engineering and puzzle solving. That sounds cool. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. I don't know. There's lots of cool iPad games. All right. So what I wanted to talk about was mastermind groups, which I like to call Jedi Councils because I hate the word mastermind groups. Yeah. Sounds like something that, I don't know, Tony Robbins would go on and be like, yo, let's walk over these hot coals and then we're going to we're gonna find our essential true selves and then we're going to get a mastermind group and make a vision statement for your true potential and yeah, I just I, I just do don't it. like it because like I would never call myself a mastermind. Mastermind in, in anything. Saying anything that sounds anything more than humble sounds really like uh, I feel like I'm probably not quite a mastermind. Then have a you humble know, mind I've group. Seen, I've seen. Well, that just still sounds <laughs> conceited, but in a different way. Like I'm the most humble. It's, if you call yourself, humble, I kind of think that's worse. Are, are you, you actually <laughs> humble? <laughs> <laughs> this is the most humble mastermind ever. That's why we call it the humble mind. I feel like that's actually worse than the regular mastermind because at least the first one yeah. isn't trying to... Uh, I digress. <laughs> I digress Jedi as well. Councils. So yeah, Jedi Councils. Um, this is where many of what They're I would consider mentors. to be mentorships have been born. Uh, they started as like a weekly or you know bi-weekly group call with either maybe one person, but it's usually like a group of three or four people. And it's all about basically what mentorship's about, supporting each other, using your expertise to help the other people in the group and keeping each other accountable. So I've done several of these and and I have never set one up myself. It's always been people reaching out to me, but it's usually somebody who is somewhere near my level of professional development. So I'll just put it out here right now. If a random student calls me and says, will you be in a mastermind group with me? I probably won't because again, it's the known quantity thing, the commitment. I don't have a pre-existing relationship with you. Boom. Like it would basically be coaching, which I don't offer. Yeah. But when I have professional colleagues and friends who maybe have their own thriving business, they're doing really well over here. I'm doing really well over here, but I'm weak in certain areas and so are they. And they reach out and say, hey, you want to do like a one once per month or once every two weeks call for an hour just to help with our development. I've done that several times and it's been very, very rewarding. And the side benefit of that is it actually creates stronger interpersonal relationships. And even when the mastermind group maybe ends, now you have that person who you can reach out to every so often and talk to. And they function as a mentor. 
So for two years, I had a ongoing call every single week with my friend Zach Sexton, um, Stephen Worley, and Stefano Gandini. And now all of those are personal friends. We don't talk as a group every week anymore. But if any of those guys called me right now and wanted help on something, I'd take an hour. And I know they would do the same for me. So as a result, I consider them all to be mutual mentors. So if you are a student and you're trying to do this exact same thing, try to find people who are doing amazing things at or near your level and maybe reach out and try to set up a mastermind group, you know, or a Jedi council. Okay. That's better. And I don't want to make it seem like somebody who's above your current standing professionally will never give you the time of day. It's just that they are unlikely to commit to like an ongoing weekly call with you unless it's a situation where like with Randy, we met at a conference and yeah. that relationship was built in person. And then, you know, there's like this liking component there. And now they're like, yeah, I would absolutely love to have a call with you. They are specifically signing up for like mentorship in its truest definition. Whereas the mastermind call has a, um, it's, it's mentorship, but it's also a, like it's beneficial to you as well. You know, when you get on the phone, you're going to be helping them, but they're helping you. There's like a whole mutual aspect to it. Yeah. So when you're setting up something with an explicit mutual aspect, then uh, somewhat parity in professional standing or whatever whatever domain you're setting up the group to focus on is going to make it more likely that it'll actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else you think we should cover here? Mastermind groups, helping people out, offering your services, fan first, go to events. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And keep your questions to people that you admire and look up to well-defined. I think that's the big thing. Anybody who is above you in professional standing or somebody who is who you perceive to be above you and who you would like to have as a mentor, or maybe you like that's like your dream and maybe the, the more realistic um, expectation is maybe just an answer to an email or an answer to a phone call or something. Um, make your interactions to them defined at first. I think you will know when you have the type of relationship that would allow you to just call up and be able to just, you know, talk casually or ask a very big question. Yeah. But until you know that relationship is developed, try to have more defined questions, you know? And of course, if somebody out there is is inviting more open-ended questions, ignore this, override it. But I think this is, it's, it's a good mental framework to operate within when dealing with people who you don't necessarily know and you don't know how they like to interact with others. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I didn't ask you, did you ever think of somebody who you would consider a mentor? Or maybe now that we've had this discussion? Mm, I still don't really see myself ever using the word mentor. Okay. But I mean, I suppose under this definition, there are plenty of people yeah. that I could probably think of. Okay. And, and short-term things like at, at my... Uh, my previous job, there were people that I could maybe consider in that fashion, mm -hmm. but they were often busy, couldn't talk to them much, and I'll, I, I, I don't know. I've just never really thought about it this way, and I probably won't. But there are obviously there are people that I have learned from who have been invested in my life, and vice versa. Yeah. So, well, I guess the the sort of litmus test in my head is, could you call them up or email them? And expect that they would be um, readily yeah. wanting to hear about your life and readily wanting to hear about how you progressed and, you know, willing to answer questions. I think I'd probably have. get some of that. Okay. 
You know, I think a lot of times like your parents. I will test this by emailing a very long email to everybody I can think of. And then I will find out who my mentors are. (laughs) It's like a boilerplate email. Yeah. (laughs) Hi there. If you're you're getting this email, uh, I consider you a mentor, but not enough to personalize the email. Here's a really dense description (laughs) of my last year. Response? And then the people that, yeah, the people that respond are my mentors and the people that don't respond are being culled from my life. Oh my God. They're dead to me. So I've seen this on Facebook before where people will put a post on their wall and it'll say, if you don't like or comment on this post, then we, I don't consider us friends anymore and I'm going to be removing you from my friends list. And I'm like, really? What's okay. Facebook? I'm never going to see those. Exactly, yeah. So I don't one, have any friends. On one <laughs> hand, who needs Facebook anyway? Facebook is stupid. I will use Facebook as much as I can in a business capacity, you know, if it offers me some sort of business advantage. There is an audience there, I suppose. I don't want to say I'll never use Facebook, but I certainly don't value Facebook that much to define my actual real-life friends list based on who comments and likes on a post. And yeah. the other thing is, do they know the algorithm doesn't show their posts to every one of their friends and some of their friends are on vacation? You know what? Maybe they trust in? the algorithm, though. Maybe they trust the algorithm to tell them <laughs> who they should think is important in hey, a Mom, weird reverse way. I'm really sorry about this, but you didn't comment on that you know post. That's, it's almost clever. I didn't see it. Well, that's the thing. I think that Facebook doesn't really want me to talk to you anymore. And well, I trust Facebook. If Facebook doesn't show my posts to you, <laughs> then obviously you don't look at my posts enough. Yeah. So Facebook thinks I'm unimportant to you. Exactly. Are you, and I'm starting, I'm, to, I'm starting to feel the same way, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a weird, clever way to use an algorithm in a terrible, terrible way that's not clever. Well, so it's, it's it terrible in certain... It's dumb. It's terrible in certain aspects, but it also makes sense in certain aspects. You know, it makes it's an sense. algorithm designed just, taking it a little to, far. <laughs> it's an algorithm designed to show you what you tend to pay attention to, which given their core business goals, which is to keep you, you know, looking at the site as long as possible, it makes sense. But this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand because they think they can just post whatever they want on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media they use, and people are almost like obliged to pay attention to them if they have already followed them in the past or are friends with them. And the thing is, so a lot of people will, they'll post on Facebook like complaints about their job. I see a lot of this on Snapchat back when I used to use Snapchat, like half of my stories going or look half the snaps I'd see from my friends or their story was them complaining about a job or them just mad about something or them singing in the shower or something stupid. And you know, if you want your posts to be visible, you can't post that kind of content because it is uninteresting. And just because I'm your friend in real life doesn't mean that I want to see you complaining about your job. I don't want to see you complaining about your job. I don't want to see anybody complaining about their job on social media. You know, that's just me. Yeah, I feel like Maybe if you were people in a conversation do. for that, you it would be personal. You would be hearing about them complaining in person. Yeah, you and I can complain about our jobs because we can commiserate in person. But yeah. I don't want to see you, you know, looking for validation and attention on social media from people on their computers <laughs> because, oh, I had to get up too early to go to work. And if you're doing that and people aren't looking at your posts, that's why. Yeah. You know, I've learned that from Instagram. Um, The stories you see most often at the top of your Instagram app are the people who you tend to watch their stories the most. So I always see like a few people and they're always the same people at the front of my little stories column. 
So I've learned, okay, if I want people to watch my stories and I want my face to be there in the front, then they need to be interesting every time. Yeah. You, I can't just be me. Algorithms walking. are stressful. You, yeah. They are. But that, I mean, so that's the thing. And we're getting really off topic here, but I think we're kind of nearing the end of the episode so people can quit if they want. Um, it's, it's like that whole question of is blogging slash YouTube slash podcasting harder to get into than it used to be? And I think the answer is both yes and no. It definitely used to be easier to get into it because the, the pool of creators was smaller. So there was like less competition. Uh, but now there are these algorithms in place that used to not be there. So in 2010, you know, maybe people subscribed to my RSS feed and that was like the one way they would get my blog posts or I'd post them on Facebook, but it was a chronological thing. Yeah. So I'm competing with everyone they follow and you know, back in the day, people would just like go and type like what they liked in Facebook and then everything I liked became a page. Oh, so yeah. then your feed just got filled with a zillion things. And it's basically like, oh, did you time it correctly? And that's kind of how Twitter still largely works. If you use certain Twitter apps, it's very chronological. So as time goes on, there's more creators. It's harder. But now these algorithms are there. If you are really talented and you're making things that people are going to want to watch, uh, I think it's easier than ever to gain a huge following. It's just like it's it's harder to get the ball rolling in the beginning. But I don't know. You didn't see people ten years ago blowing up to hundreds of thousands of, of subscribers on YouTube in a month or two, and you see that now all the time. That makes sense. Yeah, barrier of entry is a little higher, but once you get past it, the rewards are greater. Exactly. Yeah, the rewards. So the the system is in place to. Um, to push up creators who are making really cool, innovative, innovative, and fun to watch things. But like you said, the barrier to entry is higher than it used to be. So I don't know. I guess it's a total diversion from the whole mentorship topic. But uh, don't be discouraged if you want to create something today. It is harder in certain ways than it used to be. But there is a bigger audience on any platform you're going to use, unless it's like MySpace, than there has ever been. You probably shouldn't try to build a following on MySpace, you know, but there's, you know, uh, orders of magnitude, more people on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram than there was 10 years ago. So even though there are more creators, there are more people and there are more eyeballs that you could potentially get a slice of. I didn't like that wordplay. Slices of eyeballs. (laughs) That's good. That's what you come to this podcast for. Horrifying imagery along with your life guidance, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I think I'm going to wrap it here. uh, Unless you have any parting thoughts. Nope. Cool. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, Boy, I don't even know what episode this. 203. You got it. Cool. So CIGpodcast.com slash 203. If you are listening to this to find the show notes or if you're on YouTube, the description link below will also get you to them. So we'll have everything that we talked about all the resources we happened to mention. I think we mentioned a few past episodes on this podcast and uh, Listen Money Matters as well. So we'll get those linked up. Also, if you want to check out our favorite resources for improving your life as a student, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources is the place to go. So check that out. And uh, thanks for listening, as always. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share this show with a friend. We are on many different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Smoke Signals. If you waft the smoke over to a nearby forest, then they will also somehow hear the podcast. Try not to start fires. Nah, yeah. We're in Colorado. Don't, we can't be no playing No forest games fires, just smoke. 
I don't. I don't know how you divide the two, but you do it somehow. Well, I heard where there's smoke, there's fire. So please don't light the state of Colorado on fire. Well, it's looking like this method is actually pretty complicated. So you know, unless you're a pro, I'm going to recommend sticking to just sending the Spotify or YouTube or Apple Podcasts link to somebody. Fair. Or doing nothing. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, too. or don't. I don't care. Yeah, or don't. I don't even care. Shut up, mom. I'm Joey Wheeler, and I'm putting Time Wizard in attack mode. <laughs> Baby dragon. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for hanging out with us, and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.